Welcome to our podcast. This is Cricket. And this is Vaughn. And welcome to the Shays Lounge. We're going to talk about all kinds of things tonight, starting with, what are you drinking tonight? Who, me? Yeah, you. Why do you feel the need to ask me every day what I'm drinking when you are sitting right next to me? You well, know what I'm drinking. It's the same answer all the time. Dos Equis. Yeah, you are drinking at Dos Equis. If I don't have to work, it's Dos Equis. Or wine. Or Because you were drinking wine earlier I was drinking tonight. wine earlier, correct. But after that, I like to have me a glass or two of wine. And after that, it's Dos Equis for the rest of the night. We're going to do this podcast. We're going to watch some TV. Probably end up playing some drunken black ops later or whatever Call of Duty it is right now. It's, it's going to be a good night. It is going to be a good night. And we're going to talk about a bunch of things tonight. Um, we've actually got a bunch of topics to talk about. We have been collecting these throughout the week because Vaughn and I don't get to talk very much. And so we've been taking notes. It's been so crazy because every once in a while I'll come by the kitchen table and there's more notes on the notepad of things that Vaughn wants to talk to me about. Yeah, I'll, I'll be thinking about stuff while I'm driving around at work at night, and I'm like, ooh, I need to make a note of this. And then I'll come home and jot it down on the notebook. We'll get a random text message, one one to the other. You know, hey, uh, dog diapers. And apparently that's something that Vaughn wants to talk about is dog diapers. Or bad wiener day. Or we talked about dog white diapers. You could want to talk about dog di- diapers. Nah, well, have you, I mean, you've seen some of those dogs. I mean... It's funny because, like, some of these videos that you see of these dogs in these diapers, some of them look like, eh, whatever. And then some of them just look like they're just done with your crap. They don't like that thing on them. And they look completely embarrassed. And it's kind of funny. I would be embarrassed if I was a dog and I had to wear a dog diaper. But that raises another question. Do dogs even feel embarrassment? Or do we just assume that they're embarrassed about it? Having seen how your dog Devo acts when he has taken a my poo, dog, yeah, he's your dog. No, when he not. has taken a poo in the house and he knows better than to take a poo in the house, that is absolute embarrassment. He knows that he is supposed to be embarrassed. I don't think that's embarrassment. That's shame because he knows he's about to get. In but isn't shame and embarrassment kind of the same thing? Uh, I, I, I guess it's all depends on how you look at it. I mean, I guess it could be, but anyway, I don't. I don't think it. I can imagine what my you know my boxer would do if I put a diaper on him. Well, we put that sweatshirt on him that one time, and he was really oh, mad. Oh, he got real cold. But he, I think once he realized that, hey, wait a minute, it's not as cold anymore with this on, and he was kind of liking it after that. I, I've got a listeners. I've got a picture of this this boxer dog in my hoodie that I had rolled the sleeves up so it would fit his feet, and I had tied it up so that he wouldn't pee on it. But he's dressed up. He looks like, you know, he's a boxer dog, but he looked like he was fixing to go into the ring and fight somebody. It was right. so funny because it had a little hoodie and everything. It was great. Yeah, he didn't like it at first, but I think once he realized what it was for, he was pretty cool with it. Yeah. He's a, he's a pretty chill dog anyway. He acts like a puppy when you go out there to play with him, but for the most part, he's a pretty chill dog. Yeah, I mean, he, he's really old, like me. <laughs> he's about nine years old, which in boxer years is, that's but, well past middle age. But still, when you go out there and just start talking to him and playing with him, he starts bouncing around like a little two-year-old, like a six-month-old puppy, I guess. He is a sweetie. He's my baby. That's my boy. 
And we do have a dog that's bigger than him. But doesn't realize it yet, thank goodness. No, 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 no. Uh, Drax does not realize he's bigger than Dante. Um, Drax is a French Mastiff and currently weighs about 120 pounds, and he's 10 months old? No, he is 13 months old. 13 months old. So he's got probably another five to six months. six months of growth going. His daddy was 160 pounds, so we're thinking he's probably going to be somewhere in between his mother, which was 120, and his daddy, which was going to, which was 160. But he's he's going to be a big old boy. But the poor guy's out in the back with the boxer and a corgi, and when we go back out there to feed them. <laughs> poor guy, big 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 biggest dog out there, and he has to go and sit down and wait for the other two dogs to finish eating before he eats. That corgi thinks he's 10 feet tall. The corgi pretty much rules the roost back there. He really does. Unless you're mowing. Yeah, if you're mowing, Dante takes over because he doesn't like the mower. Well, that too. And if any of the other dogs get too close to me while I'm on the mower, he goes after them. Because mm-hmm. he wants to get them away. Because your little corgi almost got tore up the other day when I was yeah. out there mowing. So. Well, um, moving along from dogs, uh, we watched an interesting show tonight. Um, It was called The Dark Side of the Ring. It was on Vice TV. Uh, aired a few days ago, but I recorded it uh, so that Vaughn could see it because I thought it was something he might be interested in. It's called The Dark Side of the Ring, and uh, this is an ongoing series that talks about kind of the dark side of wrestling and, you know, things that you don't get to see in the broadcast shows of the WWE and... uh, this one was about uh, what's called the Montreal screw job. And if you've been watching the WWE and before when it was the WWF, um, you probably already know what the Montreal screw job is. But just for people who don't know what it is, Vaughn, can you give them a little? Well, it's just that you had one wrestler, Bret Hart, that was leaving the industry, or he wasn't leaving the industry, correction, sorry. He was leaving what was then known as the WWF, going to a rival company. And it's always been the the deal that you would do if you were leaving is if you had a title belt at the time, you would drop the title, and then you'd move on. I mean, like WWE still does that today. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they bring champ people up from their what's kind of like their minor league program, the NXT, and they're going to bring them up to one of the main rosters if they have a title belt. They'll drop it to somebody and then move on. Mm-hmm. But they, apparently there was a lot of creative differences on how they were going to do it. Nobody could agree on anything. And he didn't want to lose it. And they told him he had to. He was wanting to do it a different way. And he is Bret Hart. Not yeah, Bret Hart. He didn't want to lose the title. He didn't want to give up the title to the person they wanted him to give it up to, uh, which was Shawn Michaels. He just wanted to win that match and then just forfeit the title the next night on the, on the live show but they couldn't come to an agreement how they're going to do it and they ended up using Bret Hart's quote unquote finishing maneuver or submission hold on himself so Shawn Michaels used Bret Hart's, Hart's finisher, finisher on, Bret, on Hart. Bret Hart in Canada in which Bret Hart was from Canada and as soon as he got in that hold the referee called for the bell with Vince McMahon, the owner of the company, yelling at him to ring the bell. Um, 
So there's been a lot of speculation on who all was involved and who all wasn't involved. There's always different theories about different people trying to say, well, I think everybody knew about it. Some of them says, well, this person didn't know about it. I mean, no one's really going to ever know because I, I think that's just such a touchy subject that you're never going to have anyone that's going to come out and say, look, this is how it really was. Yeah, there, there's just, there's too much consternation about the whole situation. This happened back in 1997, and people are still upset about it. Mm-hmm. That's how serious it was. Well, it's like that referee was saying that called for the bell. He says still to this day when he walks into a stadium somewhere, he he hears the chance you screwed Brett. Mm-hmm. He said that haunts him and it follows him everywhere he goes. It's something he cannot get away from. Well, what was interesting to me is that he knew he was pulled to the side right before he went out to the ring and told how the match was going to happen, and that he had no choice but to screw over Bret Hart if he wanted to keep his job. And that was his livelihood. He didn't really have a choice at that point. And he knew that screwing over a, a hometown Canadian hero in Canada was going to reflect negatively on him. So he called his brother and said, get all my stuff and pack it up, put it in the car. And then as soon as that bell rung, he jumped out of the ring and ran and he and his brother left. his brother and took off. They took off because he knew that if he didn't do that, he somebody was going to kill him. Yeah. I mean, wrestling fans, and, and you can sit there and talk about how, oh, wrestling's fake and blah, blah, blah. Wrestling's not fake. Wrestling is scripted. There's a difference. Right. But these fans are, I, I, I mean, Vaughn is one of them. You Brutal. are too. <laughs> Yeah, I am too. I do. I do watch wrestling. I, I I've gone to several uh, live wrestling shows, and I've enjoyed every bit of it. Well, see, um, like, I, and I watch this stuff, and it's so funny because people will be like, "Oh, I can't believe you watch that stuff. You know, it's fake." You know, and and I always get them because well, I'll purposely change the subject. Then I'll try to get on the subject of, "Hey, what's one of your favorite movies? What's the movie that you've watched recently that you liked?" And like they mentioned something like, oh, I, I really like Iron Man. That was a good show. I'm like, how many, you, you enjoyed watching it? Well, yeah. And you look at them all serious like, and you go, you realize that's fake, right? It's not real. Oh, well, I know. Well, I know wrestling's fake. Still watch it. I said, you watch TV all the time. You watch movies and shows. Friends. Uh, whatever. I mean, you know that's all fake. Scripted. There's a difference. Scripted. There's a difference between fake and scripted. Yeah, fake is the guy that goes out in the woods trying to act like he's a survival guy, and he walks behind the camera when the camera cuts off and pours out that cup of pee that he said he was drinking and drinking. You talking about Bear Grylls? Yeah. You talking about now Survivor Man? Actually, Survivor Man. Was he real. actually is real. He has yeah. his own camera. He doesn't have a camera crew. Well, there's some like that Naked and Afraid. Naked and Afraid is totally fake. Yeah, they've got medical totally crews fake. out there. Yeah, but anyway, I don't watch it because I know. It's, I think it's real. It's a real fight. Now, granted, they do real moves that can get people hurt. And if the person that's doing the move doesn't know how to do it correctly, and the person that's taking the move doesn't know how to take the quote-unquote bump correctly, then, yeah, they can get hurt really quick. But there's a lot of training that, that they do before they're allowed to do some of these moves. And typically, these wrestlers are not allowed in the ring unless they get along outside of the ring because you don't want two guys in there who are going to be working against each other because somebody could legitimately get hurt. 
And in the case of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels in the Montreal Screwjob, apparently these two guys did not like each other. And Vince put them in the ring anyway. And that was a bad, bad idea. And I think Vince has learned his lesson since then. Um, I think Vince may have learned his lesson. Yeah. But, but that's like, like right now they're hyping up this match between that's going to be happening soon uh, between who was it, Randy Orton and Edge. Yeah. I saw that on there. But these are both very high quality ring performers. Mm-hmm. They're going to be in this match against each other. Of course, you know, one's playing the heel, one's playing the baby face. But these two guys are really good friends outside the ring. That's why they're going to put on a good match. I mean, some of the best matches I've seen were between Chris Jericho and Edge. And they're, they're best friends. And they were really good friends outside yeah. the ring. I mean, you get that kind of... Cur- because when you do that way, you know they're going to do everything they can to protect each other inside that ring. To make mm-hmm. sure they both put on They want to make show. sure it's a good show. They want to make sure they're both protected. They want to make sure that the crowd is with them. Right. Because they said like one of the best compliments they get is if you're in the middle of a match and they start hearing the fans start chanting, this is awesome. Yeah. And I've seen plenty of matches where they start chanting, this is boring. Yeah. And that's the last thing you that's, want. <laughs> and yeah. when that happens, you know those referees are getting signals from the back saying, hey, let's wrap this up. <laughs> and for those of you who don't watch wrestling, uh, the referees are the ones that are actually controlling everybody in the ring. They're telling for the, the most guys. Part. I mean, the guys kind of know what they have to do, but the referee's kind of giving them what spots to hit and He's, he's the coach. He, he kind of tells he, them. He has somebody in the back telling him kind of what needs to happen, and he tells the wrestlers what needs to happen. If they need to make changes on the fly, the ref is the one making those changes. Um, he, he basically is God in that ring. Tells them when to have the move or whatever that takes them outside the ring for the commercial breaks. Yeah, yeah. He, he He's the one that gets told, hey, we're getting a commercial break in five seconds. You need to have something happen to where we can... And I, used to, I know it tripped somebody out when I was... John Koshin. Yeah, when we were in, out in training and I sit there and watch wrestling around him and I'd have it recorded. And I would always fast forward the commercials because that's the point of recording it. And I would hit up Hit, you know, hit the fast forward button before it ever hit the commercial. And finally he looked at me and goes, how do you always know this? <laughs> I said, that's from years of training. <laughs> <laughs> years of watching wrestling. They, the, the announcers kind of pitch their voices up a little, a yep, little you bit. You can catch it. Yeah, if, if you're listening for it, you can hear them kind of pitch their voices up. And that's when you know a commercial break is about to happen. Yeah, but as far as whether or not who all was involved in that and who all wasn't, like I said, we, we may never, ever know. That's true. But it, but it was an interesting show. You know, if you guys are interested in wrestling, even in the slightest, I can definitely recommend watching The Dark Side of the Ring. Um, it's a good look into behind the curtain. Um, there's a lot of people who are former WWE and WWF employees who are not afraid to spill because Vince doesn't have his thumb on them anymore. Right. So it's it's a good show. It's a lot about breaking kayfabe. Yeah. And tell people what breaking kayfabe is. Breaking character. If you're if you're a heel on TV, you have to remain a heel. And if you have a certain character that you play, like one of my favorite stories is when I think it was Hulk Hogan and Ming Hulk were out Hogan somewhere 
and they went and got pulled over. And me, now this guy, he was like completely fluent in like, I think they said like 10 or 11 different languages. Eight languages is what I heard. Okay. Anyway, that's still a lot of language, however yeah. it is. <laughs> but they got pulled over and Ming's character only spoke Samoan. Did not speak English. Or actually, I don't think he even spoke at all. Ming didn't speak. He understood Samoan and maybe a little bit of English, supposedly, his character did, but he never spoke. And this cop was doing everything he could to get him to speak. Said, you better start speaking up. Tell me what's going on. Is this true what this other guy's telling me? And Hulk Hogan's over there saying, dude, you have got to speak up. You've got they, to. They got caught and, with a gun. Hulk Hogan he had a gun in his. um not break character. Yeah. Wouldn't do it. Hulk Hogan had a gun. They were in Hawaii. And Ming refused to break character to come to Hulk Hogan's defense that he had the gun legally. Yeah. And the two of them got arrested. Yep. Because he would not break character, which is <laughs> freaking awesome. That was during like the glory days, the the 80s and 90s when wrestling was just so huge. Well, that too, even back then too. I mean, that's whenever they would travel, they would have to make sure that Heels and faces did not travel together. I mean, your best friend growing up may be a heel character, and you're a face, and you weren't allowed to travel together because you couldn't be seen together. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, uh, uh, Lana. Lana got in a lot of trouble yep. for breaking character when she and Russo got engaged because they got engaged in real life, but in WWE, their were characters splitting were splitting up. And she shared on Instagram their her engagement ring that Russo had gotten her. Rusev. Uh, sorry, Rusev had gotten her. And she got in a lot of trouble because they had to do a whole bunch of rewrites because these guys were supposed to, their characters had to live like, or the person had to live like the character. Right. Because otherwise it breaks the illusion. And you don't want to break the illusion. So if you hear our dog barking, he just came out of our son's room. So Where he was supposed <laughs> to be kept. He was supposed to be kept in the son's room. <laughs> Sorry, so, so that was for that, that that she just said that to explain the few seconds of odd silence that we just got. <laughs> we kind of looked at each other and went. Ugh. We were watching the dog walk past, going, "Man, he was supposed to be in the room." Anyway, okay, so we've talked about wrestling. You know, we try to keep this show light and. And I think we're going to keep this show light as much as possible. We try to stay off politics. We try to stay off of anything that's controversial. There's a lot of stuff that's going on right now. Um, there's a lot of protests happening. There's a lot of, you know, unrest, civil unrest. And, and, you know, I just, I don't think we can stay silent about it. I don't think it would be right to stay silent about it. And I think we have to kind of speak up and... You know, as podcasters with listeners, I feel it's our duty to make sure that our listeners know that we support Black Lives Matter. And I think it's important that we're not coming down on, hey, this is right, hey, this is wrong, hey, you know, we're trying not to... (laughs) 
not to be extremely not, controversial here. Yeah, it's not that we're not wanting to pick sides. I mean, it's like a conversation I had with a guy at work that or not that was discussing about the Black Lives Matter. I said, because he was looking at it in a different way, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> they're saying Black Lives Matter, but, there's, but it, it's kind of implied, but you can also read that as Black Lives Matter too. They're not saying Black Lives Matter more than your life. Yeah, they're not saying only black lives not matter. They're not, that's not what people are saying. There's no one's saying that only black lives matter. They're saying that their life matters just as much as anyone as everybody else's. else's. Yeah. It's all about this constant struggle that they that black people are always gonna have on trying to get that true blind equality. Mm-hmm. And I and I and honestly, I don't know what it would take for them to ever actually be able to get this blind equality. But it's going to take the people that are in the power to make the change. Is what's going to have to get the ball rolling. Yeah. You know. And I think I think we you know Vaughn and I are Caucasian, we're white, and I think it's up to us to use the power that we have through our privilege to help people who don't have the same privilege that we have. If you yeah. hear somebody being racist around you, if you hear somebody, yeah. I, you know, I've told saying people that things, before. I, I have, don't speak like that around me. That's not appropriate. That's I don't want to hear that. And I've been in truck stops before where people have just walked up to me and started talking to me. Because I'm a middle-aged white male that's bald with a beard. So they just assume that I'm a freaking racist. And they start talking to me as if I am. Yeah. And it usually gets a pretty weird look on their face when I tell them, Dude, don't talk to me like that. I actually had somebody at work the other day um, who came up to me. And we were having a good conversation. And just out of the blue started going in on how Mexicans get everything handed to them and seniors and veterans don't get anything handed to them. And if I was, if I lived across the border and swam across, I'd have gotten everything for free and blah, 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 blah. I mean, just racist, 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 racist statements. And after about the third time he cussed at me during that racist statement, (laughs) you know, and I'm at work, so I have to be very careful how I, how I approach people. I finally told him, sir, I don't really appreciate you being racist toward me and racist toward people around me. I don't appreciate that, and I definitely don't appreciate you cursing at me. And I think we're going to end this transaction now. And I made him leave. Good. I made him leave. And and we as white people need to use our privilege to do that because we cannot allow racism to continue around us. It is up to us to fix this problem. You may not be the one doing it, but if you're completely complacent and allowing people around you to do it, in my eyes, it's just, that's just almost as bad. Mm-hmm. You can't let people do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, it just aggravates the piss out of me when people do that. You know, just don't do it around me. You know, I, I can't control what you do in your own home. You go, do whatever the heck you want. Go be racist at home. Go be racist at home. But don't do it around me. 
And definitely don't use that racism to control the life of another person. Exactly. You know, if you are somebody who's going to rent to somebody or sell them a car or whatever it is that you're doing in life, don't let that internalized racism control what you do. And we all have unconscious biases. We all have things that society has taught us are true and correct. And we have to recognize those in ourselves and overcome them. And it's our burden to bear to do that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we just can't, like I said, it just you can't be complacent. You can't just list, stand idly by and let people talk like that, That's act correct. like that. Yeah. Now, talk down on somebody just because their skin color is different. Some of the protests we've seen, you know, we've seen looters and we've seen rioters and, and we personally feel those people are opportunistic people coming in and using a situation to their own advantage and that's not cool. Um, we've also seen police officers um, get a little rowdy and that's not cool either. And you know we've got to figure out a way to get through this crisis right now um, and we, where we all come out better on the other side. Um, but as far as the police officers go, uh, one thing I wanted to ask Vaughn about, uh, one thing that I thought you guys would, would find interesting, there is a new police force that is um, going through D.C. right now that doesn't have badges and doesn't have names. And when asked who they work for, they say DOJ. And they have gotten like super rowdy with some people, pushed down an old man, um, cracked his skull, you know, and uh, it's, it's just not a great situation. And I was actually discussing this with Vaughn the other day, and he said, oh, I know who those guys are. Tell, tell them what you told me. Oh, those are the ERT trained, ERT members from prisons. Explain what an ERT is. Emergency response team. So those guys do what? Okay, so basically what an emergency response team is, is say if there was a riot situation or a hostage situation in a prison. Uh, what the prison system would do is they would call in their ERT team and they would try to have these guys handle that situation and if they couldn't then at that point law enforcement would come in. Mm -hmm. They would call law enforcement and say hey we thought we could handle this we can't need your help. But these guys are like a crash team that jump into cells if they can't remove a well, guy no, from no, a no. cell. You, or... you have no, no that's not your ERT. No. What you're thinking of is called a force cell move team. Okay. That's but an the ERT is different. ERT is different. Okay, so explain to me what an ERT is and how they're being used in the D.C. area. Well, I haven't really seen these guys, but I'm just from what you've been telling me. But if these are ERT trained, ERT trained people, then their trained behavior is going to be very easy to notice. Because it's going to be different than what regular law enforcement is. Because in law enforcement, you are trained to defuse situations as much as possible. You know, you're trained to use force as a last resort. Although so, we kind of guys, see that it's not really happening that way. Yeah, it's some like, guys are not using that. It's like, hey, this is what we're going to do first. But but they're, they're supposed to be trained to use force as a last resort. When you got these ERT guys... 
when you're in that kind of stuff, you're not trained to use force as a last resort. You, you're trained to use force. Now, it's supposed to be the amount of force necessary to control a situation. But that's how they kind of get away with stuff. Mm-hmm. Because in order to control a situation, what exactly is control? That's, so that's, that's, that's very kind of subjective. very vague. It's very vague. Yeah. But that's the terminology that they use to keep them out of trouble. And in those guys, you know, because they're from the, from the from what they coming from, you got to treat every person you see as a same and equal threat. Mm-hmm. Whether they're a six year old kid or a seventy five year old well, man, or I don't a, say that, but if they are five feet tall or seven feet tall, you're going to treat them the same. Okay. And if you feel like at any point in time that there's a potential that this person could become a threat, you immediately neutralize that threat and you go on to the next one. So we saw a situation where a 75-year-old man was approaching an ERT, these DOJ guys, Department of Justice guys, to return a helmet that one of them had lost. And one of the DOJ guys pushed him so hard that he fell and fractured his skull. Yeah, because you never know what's going to happen. Okay, because you even talked about so I didn't know that's what that was for. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I watched a video one day when I was working at the prison a long time ago. And it was of these... It was a hostage situation. And they had the ERT. And they go in this room to go get these people out. But one of the guards tripped going in. And when he went in, his hands flayed, flared out in the air, ended up going in the guy's mouth. Guy bit off some of his fingers, pulled his helmet off, and of course when he fell, another officer fell, pulled his helmet off, and he was beating the toe crap out of these guys with these... With these two helmets. These two riot helmets. Yeah. So, they see somebody walking up. They're not looking at it. When they looked at the him, they didn't see a 75-year-old man they bringing saw back some, a helmet. They saw a potential threat. They have to look at, they're trained to look at every single person as a potential threat. And that's not how the police are trained. The right. police are trained to, so, to, well, hopefully they're trained to defuse a situation and to ask questions before they start shooting. But the ERT is the exact opposite. Right, because like whenever you first told me about these ERT members that were going out there, my first comment was, Woo-hoo, that's going to end badly. Yeah. And it's going to, and it's going to continue to end badly because when you've got something in, just drilled into your head for so long, it's hard to get out of that habit. And right. you can't just say, hey, I know you were trained like this for the last 10 years, but we're going to send you out here to this situation. We want you to act completely different. Don't do that no more, okay? Right. That's not how it works. Right. Your brain doesn't work that way. You're going to see something, you're going to react, and you're going to react the way you're trained to react. Right. And that includes pushing down a 75-year-old man. Right. And, I, and, I, and let me go ahead and just say this, too. In no shape, form, or fashion. We are not supporting am this. I not, am I condoning pushing down someone that was obviously not a threat? He's just... And I am not trying to justify these guys doing that. I'm not trying to say, well, this is why they did it and it's okay. No, 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 no. I want to make sure I'm very clear on that. But part of that fault needs to go back to the people that put them there. 
I don't know who it is. I'm not getting into that part of it. We're, we're not we're not going down that particular road. But I'm just saying that they should have realized that this was a bad idea from the potential get-go. situation from the moment they put these guys out there. Well, the what I fear is happening is that the people who put them there are not interested in diffusing the situation anymore. They're just interested in knocking down as many bodies as they could knock down to end the protest, period. It's a show of force. It is a show of force. And and that that's another scary topic that maybe one day we'll get into. I hope we don't have to. But, again, we try to keep our podcast light, but sometimes you you, you got to speak up. Well, it's like you have this... It's funny because like, I saw a note that you had made. Because um, talking about this stuff, how it just always just leads from one thing to another. And it makes me think about the internet rabbit holes that you get into. Like, you know, I was talking to Chris the other day about how, you know, hey, I went to get online and I was looking at videos on like how-to videos or something like that. I can't remember what exactly it was, but that's what I was doing. And then the next thing you know, I'm watching videos about funny cat videos. And then after that, I'm watching prank videos. And then after that, I end up watching like America's Got Talent auditions and different things like that. I mean, some of these rabbit holes that you can get into, I mean, they could just, it's like after you have like three hours of doing this stuff, you're kind of looking there going, how the heck did I get to these? (laughs) I got on YouTube because I wanted to look at what like how something was made or whatever or or what's or going on something what's or, going on today and you just and the next thing i know you're at this you're at some <laughs> conspiracy at theory website talking about how tesla is going to rule the world oh and conspiracy theory websites like and i know that those can be like really crazy and you have to be so careful with conspiracy you have to be careful website. with them people like, i'm not going to call the people that do that crazy because no but still those are they're fun for me to read. Well, you can tell the and difference between watch. fact and fiction. So it helps when you have the ability to look at something objectively and say, this is clearly stupid, but it's fun to read. But <laughs> like flat earthers. <laughs> flat earthers are fun because, I mean, it's objectively true that the earth is round. And I'm going to just... Go out on a limb here on the Shays Lounge podcast, and we are going to say the earth is round. But you get into some of these conspiracy theory websites about how the earth is flat, and man, they have done their research. It's insane. Well, what's funny, though, is that some of the research, research that they've done, they like did these tests or whatever. They said, well, we'll do this test to prove that the earth is flat. And they kept doing this test over and over and over and over and over, and I, I don't know what the test was. But it ended up proving over and over and over and over and over that the earth is round. Yeah, I remember that. So finally they're like, (laughs) well, crap, we don't like that test. Let's go find a different test. (laughs) That test doesn't give us the answer we want. And you know what that's called? Confirmation bias. It means you discard things that you do not want to be true, and you only accept things that you do want to be true. So regardless of what the objective fact is, you're only looking for things that agree with what your current worldview is. Right. You are not open to being taught. That's confirmation. You've got your blinders on and you're just... You've got your blinders on. Sheep following sheep. (laughs) 
Well, Vaughn, after talking about all that other terrible stuff, tell me something good that's happened to you this week. Uh, actually getting a few days off. <laughs> I mean, we've been working six days a week. I mean, now granted, I didn't technically get... I only have to work five days this week. I did have to go in for a couple of hours on Friday night. But, you know, they needed me. I told them I was there. Um, but actually having a full couple of days to be at home with the family has been really nice. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, almost killed myself being outside today trying to do all the mowing and all that kind of crap. So it got a lot hotter, a lot quicker than what I was expecting it to. I was at work, and I get a text message. Hey, I almost passed out while I was mowing the yard today. Like, well, don't do that. Scared my son because I came in the house. I laid down on the floor of my of my game room and started yelling for one of the two kids. And finally, he came in and he goes, oh, "What happened?" I'm like, "Just, just go get me some water, please." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Okay." And he took off running to give me some water to make sure I was all right. But good kid. The way the way that our property is is done is there's a there's a ditch on the back side of our property that's like super steep and you can't mow it with a with a riding mower you have to mow it with either a push mower or a weed eater and it's tough and i will say vaughn is extremely tough for having been able to mow this thing ever since we moved in because he's almost killed himself a couple of times well the worst time was the first time we did because obviously it hadn't been done it Looked like in probably several years. Yeah, it hadn't been done in a while. The only reason it was bad this time, because it had been a couple of weeks since I've been able to get out there and do it. And it's because, been raining a lot. I mean, when you only get one day off, I mean, shoot, man, you got to have some time to sit and relax and kind of recharge your batteries. And when you're working six days a week, you don't really have that time to, I mean, just a few hours in a day is just not enough time to get those mental batteries recharged. Not the physical ones, but the mental ones, because that's what's more draining than anything. It really is. When you work all the time, and I had to work six days this week, and uh, because that that happens once every three or four weeks with me, I have to work every I have to work every Saturday, um, or I have to work on Saturday, and uh, thankfully it's not a full shift, <clears throat> but it not being able to wake up when I want to on Saturday, and not being able to just kind of sit on the couch and watch Two and a Half Men for eight hours. You know, it's just mentally draining. Well, and it's, it's too, it's just that sometimes like when everybody knows you're working six days a week and you've only got that one day, you're trying to... You're trying to pack as much everything. stuff. Yes, yes, exactly. Trying to cram <laughs> in everything one time. Like, we, we kind of did a crazy thing last weekend and we uh, went out and braved the virus we did. We did something stupid. And it wasn't a. It wasn't a brave thing. It was a stupid thing. I'm, I just want to put that on the we, record. We uh, went to Canton, Texas. May I explain what Canton? And no, is? no, no. <laughs> I'm not even going to get into that because I'm too long. It's, it's too long winded. I'm going to let you try to explain. All I can say is, that if you ever been to a flea market, yeah, you know what Canton is. Except for imagine that this flea market is mixed in with all the carnival type food vendors that are out there and it's the size of a freaking town it's, it's the whole it's at least 100 acres it's more than that it's the it's whole town one weekend a month turns into a giant flea market and it's crazy i mean like the hotels out there i know that those pretty much book up hotels almost are booked quick completely up because 
if you truly wanted to see the whole thing, you couldn't even do it in one weekend. That's I true. mean, we've been going, we've we've been to Canton since we've been together about five or six times. Mm-hmm. And this last time that we went, we actually went to a section we've never seen before that we've never even seen before. Didn't, Didn't even, even know, know it existed. Yeah. And and it's just there's just <clears throat> pavilions upon pavilions, and it's just booth after booth yeah. after booth after booth. And then there's a place called Dogtown. Which is where, if you want to get an animal, that's where you go. And we have gotten a puppy there before. And you go to Dogtown, you, there's dogs everywhere. There's cats everywhere. There's people buy miniature horses at Dogtown. You can buy a llama. You can buy a llama at Peacocks. Dogtown. Peacocks. Oh, we almost got a sugar glider once. We did almost get a sugar glider. Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad we didn't get the sugar girl. Now, we did get rats this last time. Um, so the kids have rats now. But, you know, everything I've heard, rats are good pets. So we will see. Mm-hmm. We if will see. not, the snake is getting about big. Don't. <laughs> we do not condone animal abuse on this show. That's not abuse. That's nature. <laughs> No, we're not going to feed the rats to the snake. That's no, not those okay. snakes are big enough, or the rats are big enough already, they probably kill the snake. Yeah. We, we do, in case you guys don't know, we do have a um, we do have a fancy ball python. She's about, oh, she's about 18 inches long now. You think she's longer than that? You think she's about two feet? Yeah. She was about 12 inches, 12 to 14 inches when we got her, and she's a little over two feet long now. She's about two feet long now, yeah. Because that cage that we have her in is a three-foot cage, and when she stretches out, she's almost end-to-end. That is true. So she's probably over two feet by now. Yeah. But she's a sweetheart. She's bitten me once. And that was your fault. It was my fault. I was moving... You know, she moving my hands rapidly around her. and Cricket she's, can't talk without using her hands. If I'm using ever, my hands right now. <laughs> if you ever want to screw her up while she's talking, if you don't want her to talk anymore, just hold her hand still. <laughs> she will uh, get so tongue-tied and so flustered, she will be done. I, she I absolutely asked me, what are you doing? I said, like, I just want to see if you can talk without your hands. And she can't. I can't do it. But anyway, I was holding the snake, and she was doing that. Or she was holding the snake, I think. Well, the yeah. snake was on on the blanket next to me. Right, and she was moving her hands while she was talking, and kept waving her hands right in front of the snake's face. So yeah, she finally got tired of it, and gave her a little snap. And it's not like she's got fangs. It, I mean, I could tell that she bit me, but it's not like she's not like a poisonous snake or anything. Right. She just she just popped me with her fangs, and that was she didn't she have fangs. Like, she's got teeth. She's got teeth though, and right. she popped me with her teeth. She did. She got you. So, yeah. But I deserved it. It was totally my fault. So, you know, don't want to don't want to blame the snake. She was just doing what nature intended. Yeah, protecting herself from the evil woman <laughs> that was trying to harm her with her talking hands. I'm even on the podcast as we're speaking right now, I'm using my hands. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, we're coming to the end of this episode. I think we have talked about kind of a weird range of things. Weird, very weird. What was it? Wrestling? Canton? Black Lives Matter? Yeah. What an ERT is? Yeah, ERT. How did we start? I don't even remember now. I don't don't remember. I don't think it matters. It doesn't matter. Next time, we're going to talk about where the best place to get chicken is. And uh, we're going to talk about 
what your oh, favorite you movies. Oh, you want to tell people about my Halcyon Day, too. I do want to tell people about your Halcyon Day. <laughs> you don't have time to get in that We did No, time. that's a long story. That's 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 going to be for a, its own special podcast. It's got to be the no, Halcyon Day. No, I don't day. think it'll go that quite that long. I think it will, because no. I'm going to tell them so much. It was so funny. <laughs> and what's bad is that I'm just having to take your word for this. Because I honestly I don't know. <laughs> it was the best day ever when when Vaughn was on Halcyon. So anyway, we're coming to the end of the podcast. Thank you for making it this far. If you made it this far, and we hope that you will come back for our next podcast. Hey, I'm happy that we made it this far. That's right. <laughs> we're doing a good job. You can find us on social media at the Shays Lounge on Instagram. Twitter. You can find me at Cricket Shay on Twitter. I'm on uh, Facebook. Uh, I believe it's Facebook uh, slash Cricket Marie. I think is my is my Facebook. Well, no. If you're telling people your Facebook, maybe you should figure it out for sure what it is. And I not think just I probably should say, "Hey, I think it's this. Just go check and see. If you can't find it, keep looking. Who cares?" Search for Cricket Shay on Facebook. I'm one of only a very few. On there, but if you want to search us up on uh, social media, we're at the Shays Lounge on everything. Shay is spelled S H E A with an S, like Shays Lounge. And uh, let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like, and we will adjust accordingly. And we're always open to suggestions on oddball topics because we love oddball stuff. Yeah, the weirder the topic you want us to talk about, the better. We're going to talk about um, the best place to get chicken, your favorite chicken restaurant next time. Uh, Los Pollos Hermanos does not count. I don't even know what that is. He never watched Breaking Bad, y'all. Nope. Um, and then we're also going to talk about favorite movies that flopped at the box office but were, but were um, otherwise critically panned, but that we like watching. Like, for example, Suicide Squad. Yeah. It's a mess of a movie, but so much fun to watch. And we're going to talk about that sort I mean, of thing. So. I, I don't watch a movie going, oh, the writing was just beautiful and the camera angles. Uh, see, I I'm do. like, man, do they blow crap up and do they fight? Yes. Bring it on. Let me watch it. I'm the kind of dork that looks <laughs> at the camera angles. <laughs> I don't care. Do they fight and blow stuff up? Yes. Let me watch it. <laughs> he likes the Transformers movies. and I am, I am not a fan. I am not a fan. Not even. I grew up loving Transformers. Michael Bay can kiss my left butt cheek, okay? Yeah. <laughs> That was that was unkind. That was very unkind of you. You guys probably didn't hear him. One day I'll tell you what he said. <laughs> I love you and your hair looks nice. I know you did. So we will see you next time and we love you. Yeah. We'll be back. <laughs>